Let us bow down heads in prayer. Father, in your name we rejoice, for you have given us more than we could ever ask for. Blessings unmeritable, benefits undeserving, through Jesus Christ our Lord, whom you have glorified forever and ever. It is my prayer tonight, this evening, that you would attend to your work, that you would spoil the works of the adversary, and let the light of your glorious gospel overcome every darkness. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Tonight God has given a specific message, a last message for the year. And uh, for the last three weeks, I have been teaching on the subject, Journey to the Cross. We've known the purpose of God for creating man. We've known the fall of man, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world and the restorer of all things. We've known what Jesus did for us on the cross. Now tonight, I want to treat a particular subject, which is um, a follow-up to this previous series that we have dealt. And um, this, the topic is the outwork of grace. The outwork of grace. Having known what Jesus did for us on the cross. What is the impact of grace in the life of those who believe? What is the outwork of grace in the life of a believer? What are the signs or what is the sign, what is the evidence, the proof that indeed one has tasted of the goodness of the Lord, that he has tasted of the power of grace. And this is something that I want us to treat tonight. Um, it would be an answer to the many questions that I received all bothering about the work of grace, all bothering about um, the, the work of the Christian after the cross what is next after believing in jesus what is next so that is basically what i would want to speak about the final message for the year 2019. okay so we go to matthew chapter 15 matthew chapter 5 verse 17 through to 20. matthew chapter 5 17 through to 20. And I read. Do not think that I came to destroy the law. Or the prophets. I did not come to destroy but to fulfill. For surely I say to you till heaven and earth pass away. One jot or one title will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. 
Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these com commandments and teaches men's soul shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. I touched on this particular subject, but it was just um, a case that I used. I, I didn't really dwell much on it. And so I realized that many people want to understand this and understand it well. The great confusion in the church today stems from this very, the very verse that I just read. Because the question is, if Jesus said that he did not come to destroy the law of the prophets, why do some Christians say that we are not under the law or under law but under grace um the thing is it is not what they are saying it is not their own words it is what the scriptures say according to romans chapter 6 verse 14 that we are not under law but under grace and uh, i would by the grace of god attempt to address this issue tonight my advice is that we don't have to be divided in doctrines and this is not a party politics what we ought to do is to look into the case to break out of traditions you know a religion that you have been born into and allow the spirit of god to lead us into all truths now before I proceed to talk about this, they let me build the foundation first. See, there are two covenants that are revealed by the scriptures. The old covenant and the new covenant. You know, a covenant is a testimony, if you like, a will. And we know that every covenant or will has two main elements in it. Every covenant has got a condition and a promise. So the two elements in every covenant is one, a condition, and two, a promise. Now the first covenant demanded perfect obedience to the law on the part of sinners. That was the condition of the first covenant. The sinner was supposed to fully obey the righteousness of the law, mainly the Ten Commandments which are summarized into two. To love the Lord your God with all your faculties, your heart, your soul, your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Now when you look at Exodus chapter 20, you will see that this is the summary 
of all the Ten Commandments. And so that was the first covenant. It said to the sinner that in order for you to be saved, you have to do this. You have to obey fully the law of God. That is salvation by works or righteousness by works. Oh, it is for this reason that the first covenant is said to be faulty. Now it is faulty in the sense that a sinner born in sin in whom nothing good dwells cannot obey the law of God. Their nature is depraved. And the word depraved means that they are corrupt in nature. And they are naturally rebellious. For the heart, of course, is corrupt. And because it is corrupt, out of the heart, the mad speak it. The abundance of the heart, the mad speak it. And so because the heart itself is corrupt, Nothing good can proceed out of the natural man, out of someone who is unsaved, out of someone who is without the life of Christ. Now, remember that the Bible says that all have sinned under the law and have fallen short of the glory of God. That is exactly what it means. But under the law, no one is righteous. No one, there is none born of a woman who can perfectly obey the law. The law which was given through Moses. And it is the reason why the old covenant is said to be faulty. Because what he is asking of the sinner is absolutely impossible. Now look at Hebrews Chapter 8, verse 7. Hebrews chapter 8, verse, verse 7. And I read from the New King James. It says that for if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. In other words, if the first covenant was perfect, there wouldn't be a need for another covenant. And so verse 8 says that because finding fault with them he says, behold the days are coming, says the Lord, when I would make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah not according to the covenant that I made with your fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. Because they did not continue in my covenant and I disregarded them, says the Lord. And so this is the reason why the old covenant is faulty. Because it cannot offer unto man salvation. Now when we look at what we just read, the question would be, did the Holy God made, make a mistake? 
is God unwise who gave the law to Moses? And the answer is no. You see then, what is the purpose that the law served? Why did God give the law to the people of Israel through Moses, who was the mediator of the old covenant? The answer is this. The law was to reveal to all flesh that we are guilty before God. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Now if a sinner knows very well that what the law is demanding, he falls short of. Then he acknowledges that he is guilty before God. Now if I know that what the law is saying, to love God with all my faculties, all my heart, all my strength, all my mind, mind, and to love my neighbor as I love myself. And if I know that I cannot fully obey this, then of course I acknowledge that I am guilty before God. If I know that I have fallen short of this, then I know that I am what? Guilty before God. So that is the, the very purpose that the law came to serve. For the sinner to know that he is rebellious, that he is guilty before God. And when we go to Romans chapter 3 verse 19. Romans chapter 3 verse 19 it says that now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law. Now look at this. That every mouth may be stopped and that all the word may become guilty before God. Verse 20 says that therefore by the deeds of the law, that is by the works of the law, that is before faith, no flesh shall be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. The word justified means to be declared righteous. And so no sinner shall be declared righteous by the works of the law. Because he cannot love God with all his faculties. Neither can he love his neighbor as himself. So that is the very purpose of the law. God gave the law to Israel that all flesh through the law will come to that one fact. That we are all sinners. That we are all guilty before God. That there is none righteous. None of us can fully obey what the law is saying. Now, the sinner is guilty. He feels condemned. He tries every effort to love God, but he can't. Every effort to be at peace with all people, even his enemies, but he can't. Then the law says to him, I have no mercy. I can't save you. I can only make you feel guilty and condemned. That is the law. But if you are looking for mercy, if you want to be saved, then there is only one way, only one person, and his name is Jesus Christ. And so, in as much as the law could not give us 
eternal life. We could not be justified by the law. We could not be declared righteous by the law. The law eventually led the sinner to this question. What must I do to be saved? Because I cannot fulfill the law. What is then the hope for me? What, what, what is the way out? What must I do in order to be saved? And this is what I am saying, that the law would eventually bring the sinner to one person who is Jesus Christ. And so this is what Paul is saying in Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, verse 23 to 24. He says that, but before faith, now look, before faith. And so the law was given prior to faith. It was given before faith. And he says that, but before faith came, we were kept under God by the law. Kept for the faith which would afterwards be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ. That we might be justified by faith. So the law was before faith. And under the law, we could not be justified. But all that the law was seeking to do was to bring us to the Savior, who is Jesus Christ. And this is the reason why, you know, Paul said that we are not under the law. We are not under the law, under law, but grace. You know, what he wanted us to understand is that we do not come to the law for salvation. It, it, the law cannot offer unto us salvation. Eternal life is never through the law. And so we are not under the law. We do not look at the law but rather to grace which came through Jesus Christ. And this is the new covenant. Every covenant or testament, or if you may want to use it, a will, is enforced after death. Therefore, after the death of Jesus, according to Hebrews chapter 9, 16, 17, the new covenant replaced the old covenant. Now the old says to the sinner, do this and you shall live. But the new covenant says to the sinner, if you confess the Lord Jesus and believe that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And this is the new covenant. This is the reason why we are no longer under the old covenant. For those who the desire or wants to follow the old covenant they would stand before the judgment of God without mercy because the old covenant does not offer to sinners mercy he says that do this or you die and that is the old covenant that was the law that was given to Moses and so he that keeps himself under the old covenant 
He will stand before God. He will be tried by the court of the Lord without mercy. Now, when Jesus died, it marked the end of the old covenant. And it marked the beginning of the new covenant. By which we or the sinner can be saved. God has raised him from the dead. And if the sinner believes, he shall be saved. It does not say to the sinner that you must do something before, he must do something before he will be accepted by God. But rather, what the new covenant or grace says to the sinner is that if only he will believe in Jesus, he would confess the Lord Jesus, who is his righteousness. He shall receive grace to fulfill all righteousness. Now righteousness cannot be fulfilled outside of Christ. But in Christ Jesus. If the sinner attempts to do anything apart from faith in Jesus Christ. Even his righteousness shall be as filthy rags. And now I say again. If a sinner attempts to do anything. Apart from the first requirement of the new covenant, which is to confess the Lord Jesus and to believe that God has raised him from the dead. That is the living faith that we speak about. Even his righteousness, he can go to church as many times as he wants. He can fast as many times as he wants. He can try to sell his goods to feed the poor. None of these would be acceptable before God. Now, Jesus used the parable of the Pharisee and the Republican to confirm this. That apart from faith, even the righteousness of one who is a sinner is as filthy rags, unacceptable. He can never be justified before God on the basis of works. Listen, of works apart from faith. And so when you look at Luke chapter 18, now here is a Pharisee and uh, a Republican or a task, a task collector. Now these two men went up to a temple to pray according to Luke chapter 18 verse 9 the Pharisee stood and prayed with himself he prayed to God God I thank you that I am not like the other men I am not like extortionist I am not unjust I am not an adulterer I am not even like this task collector I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Now it says that this man trying to, you know, achieve his own righteousness, trying to come to God on the basis of his own righteousness, being ignorant of God's righteousness, trying to establish his own Righteousness, he was rejected by God. Because what he's telling God is that, God, I have fasted. 
I have paid my tithe. I am not an adulterer. I am not sleeping around with other people's wives. And I, I have never faltered in the payment of my offerings, my tithes. And I am not even like this tax collector. He was boastful before God. And he is seeking to be justified on the basis of what he's doing. And so when you notice that particular parable, you would come across the pronoun, I, I, I have done this, I have done that, I have done that. There is no mediatory work. There, there is no medium, mediator. You know, there is nothing like um, a mediator, a high priest in, in between. It is just the Pharisee haven't been able to do what he thinks is righteous before God. But what he did was as filthy as before God. It was apart from faith. And remember that the time that Jesus was speaking about this parable, he had not yet died. And so speaking about the tax collector, he said that this tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven but beat his breast and saying God have mercy to me a sinner the sinner acknowledged that he is a sinner he was honest before God in need of salvation the Pharisee thought that he was beyond that prayer and that he could bribe God on the basis of what he was doing and this is the old covenant it demanded works and works can never earn salvation according to the righteousness of God. That is unacceptable. We can never be justified on the basis of works. And that is the reason why Jesus used this parable. Now I know that many are going to flock into churches on 31st December as is, is, is a pattern. You know, many are going to make resolutions. Many people are going to um, make promises here and there. You know, next year I will not drink. Next year I will not do this. I will not do that. I would behave. I would avoid bad companies. But, you know, one thing is very true. That before the weekend, they would fall back into the same lifestyle. Because that at first night has become a pattern. You know, and the reason why... Many people, after all the resolution, end up the same place. is because the means to salvation is not what you can do. But to confess the Lord and believe that because he is alive, he can make you alive from your dead state of sins. So that is the main reason why so many people would go to the first night from all places. And will still come back to the same place. Because the way to salvation they have not known. And there are some denominations. They would not point men. Because they are so busy collecting their offerings. At the expense of these wretched souls. Who have come because they are in despair. Because they know that within them they are dying each day. 
they are sinking deeper and deeper into hell. But most denominations, some, are too blinded by their offerings that they do not point them to the way of salvation. And others who attempt would only preach the law to do that, to do this, don't do this. Next year, make sure you don't go to the beer bar. You think the sinner doesn't know that what he is doing would eventually lead him to death? He knows. But he has not the power to deliver himself. He has not the power to please God. And that is why the only message that God has chosen for the salvation of men is to preach grace under the new covenant. That he does not have to do anything. Only believe. To confess, acknowledge his sins and believe in Jesus. That if he is alive, then he can make him, he can make you alive from your sins. Now the second thing that I want to touch on. And this is a question that someone asks. So having believed in Jesus, when you believe in Jesus. Is that all? Is that all there is to do? If one believes in Jesus, he confesses the Lord Jesus and believes God that he has raised him from the dead. Is, is that all? No, that is not all. And, and that is what you know, would bring us to the scripture that I just read. Now look carefully at Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 verse 20. Now Jesus says something that is very important. He says this. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you would by no means enter the kingdom of God. Now this is heaven's ticket. This is what Jesus is saying. That there is only one ticket that can take one to heaven. And this is the ticket of righteousness. Now this is the kind of righteousness that is above the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. Now it would behove on us to understand this. What is the righteousness that exceeds this, the, the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees? Now before Jesus got to this part, he started by saying this, that do not think that I came to destroy the law of the prophets, but I came to fulfill. So the, what I want you to understand is what is the law and the prophet? Because when you understand that, you understand the righteousness that he's speaking of here. So the law and the prophets. Now a lawyer came to Jesus and asked, a question testing him and this was the the the, the question that the, the lawyer asked the Lord Jesus he said teacher what is the great commandment in the law and Jesus said to him you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your mind then he added Matthew chapter 22 verse 38 this is the first commandment and the second is like it you shall love your neighbor as yourself then he said that on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And so, this is what the Lord Jesus came to fulfill. 
the summary of all the Ten Commandments, that is true holiness or righteousness, is fulfilled in these two, the vertical love and the horizontal love. That is love to God and love to humanity. That is all that the Lord Jesus came to do. He said that he went about doing good. And again, he says in Philippians that he was obedient even to the point of death. And the Lord Jesus is saying here that he is not speaking about the ceremonial laws. He's not speaking about coming to fulfill some kind of rituals, the food and, and, and some kind of um, the circumcision or the, some, some kind of uh, um, whatever you can think of uh, you know, as an external obligation. The weather... Um, it, 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 you know, he did not come to um, fulfill, let me just say, well, if you go to church on Sunday, well, that is the right way to go to church on Sunday. I'm sorry, Saturday is to be condemned. Or that if you go to church on Saturday, that is acceptable. If you go to church on Sunday, that you are condemned. That is not what Jesus is saying here. All that he's saying is that the main purpose of the law is love, is charity. And that is what Jesus came to fulfill. And this is something that the church needs to understand. Anything outside of this is traditions of men. And I keep saying this. Let not anyone judge you concerning food. Let not anyone judge you concerning Sabbaths. Let no one judge you concerning drinks and circumcision or, or some kind of external works. The only requirement and obligation is charity. Because in love is the fulfillment, all holiness, all righteousness is embodied in this one obligation, which is love or charity. Now let me proceed from here. We are saying that a sinner will never be justified on the basis of his works. Now, this is the truth. When a sinner believes in Jesus, when a sinner truly receives grace, the evidence or the proof of that is righteousness. He fulfills the law through Jesus. Now I take it again. The sinner can never fulfill the law until he comes to Jesus. Now when I talk about the fulfillment of the law, I am only talking about the moral, what Jesus is speaking of that he came to fulfill. The love for the Father and the love for humanity. It is only in Christ that we can fulfill this righteousness. That is the only righteousness that is acceptable before God. Because out of this is all holiness. It's all righteousness. And so you will notice that Paul said something in Romans chapter Romans chapter 3, verse 31. Paul said that when some people were trying to say that, well, do you mean that um, so when someone comes to Jesus, there's nothing to do? 
And Paul used the word, he said that, do we then make void the law through faith? Romans chapter 3 verse 31. He says that certainly not. On the contrary, we establish the law. What Paul is saying is that on the contrary, we fulfill the law. That is in Christ Jesus, not outside of Christ. So in as much as we cannot please God, we cannot you know, receive salvation by works, that is works before faith. The living faith in Jesus produces this righteousness. That is grace within the heart produces the fruit of righteousness. And all righteousness is embodied in one, charity or love. Now look at Romans chapter 13 verse 8 to 10. Romans chapter 13 verse 8 to 10 and it says that all, all no one anything except to love one another for he who loves another has fulfilled what? The law. He who what loves one another has fulfilled the law. And that is because he is in Christ Jesus. And that is the power of grace. It produces the righteousness of Christ in the believer. And he says that for the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. Remember the Ten Commandments. You shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 10 says that love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. That is what Jesus came to fulfill. And that is what all Christians are obligated to fulfill. That is the good works of the Christian. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 5 verse 6, neither circumcision or uncircumcision avails anything. In other words, in Christ, circumcision, uncircumcision is irrelevant. It is useless. It is baseless. But there's only one thing that is important, faith working through love. And that is the new creation. That, that is the new life, the, the new covenant life. For love covers multitude of sin. And it is the only thing that the, the Pharisees did not really understand. It is what they neglected. And it is the reason why when Jesus came, he was always, always condemning their outward works. For outside is so clean, but within is full of uncleanness and wickedness. Now, for instance, concerning the Sabbath, you see, the Pharisees were the people who honored the Sabbath, of course, which Jesus never came to, to condemn Sabbath, all the religious meetings, you know, Christian fellowship. He did not come to condemn, but he came only to make us understand the, the purpose of the Sabbath. And he said in Mark, Mark chapter 2, there was an incident when his disciples ate from a farm and the Pharisees were trying to condemn them because they were saying that it is Sabbath, we must not eat, must not do anything. And so they were trying to um, 
condemn the disciples. And the Lord Jesus said to them, saying this word that the Sabbath is for man, and man is not for the Sabbath. All that he was saying is that the Sabbath was made for man. In other words, man is more important than the religious meeting. In other words, if you are going to church and here is someone you don't even know, he's hungry, you do not just, you know, ignore the person or that something, you know, is beaten by thieves. You do not ignore the person and just say, well, I have to hurry to church. See, the Sabbath is for man. Man is very dear in the sight of God. And the whole purpose of the Sabbath it is, 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 is one thing. It's is, is for the rest of the, of the man, the soul to be refreshed. That is where the place that we share love, we share communion, togetherness, mercy. You know, this is the weightier matters of, of, of the, the church. You see, and the Lord Jesus was trying to say that this is what the Pharisees has neglected. And, and I say that this is the very thing that is happening today. We have exalted the Sabbath over the life, the welfare of others. So we ignore them who are hungry. We ignore them who um, have a spiritual need. You know, they are dying within. They are bruised. They are downtrodden. They are battered. You know, that is the place where the word of the Lord should be spoken to heal, to strengthen, to edify. That is why it is called the, 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 the place of rest. If we neglect these, if we neglect justice, fairness, equity, there shouldn't be partiality on the part of, you know, what sometimes the rich come, James said, when we see the rich, we say that, well, you sit on the, 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 the best place. The poor enters into the church, you say, well, you sit here, sit on the floor. And James was trying to say is that by doing so, we are not fulfilling the law which Jesus came to fulfill, which is the law of liberty, love. That is not charity. And so you would understand that everything that Jesus said, right after speaking of the righteousness that exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees and the scribes, was to bring us to love. He was talking about adultery. He was talking about, you say that, well, murder is, is condemnatory. But Jesus said that what about anger? Because anger and murder stands in the same place before the judgment of God. So he that is, you know, offends a brother. He that, you know, is at loggerhead with a brother. He's not in good terms. He has hurt a brother or a sister. He stands in the same place as a murderer. He says that you said that, well, adultery is condemnatory. But the Lord Jesus said that if you even look at a woman, and you last after her. So he was trying to tell them that where there is love, love will cover a multitude of sins. And love is the bond of perfection. And love is the fruit of the living faith. This is the only righteousness that exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. And this is the love that goes beyond the you know, close realities. This is my child. This is my friend. And so I would show them love. He says that even the enemy... And that is the righteousness that is only in Christ Jesus. Outside of Christ, no one can fulfill this. It says that pray even for them. Bless them that curse you. And who can fulfill this? 
none except he that has grace. And that is the outwork of grace, the outwork of the cross. Charity, the bond of perfection. And now I would just refer us to just one scripture. It is what Paul is saying that faith without works is dead. This is the work that Paul was speaking of. Charity, good works, all holiness are in this. And he says in, in Romans chapter 5, the outwork of grace. He says in Romans chapter 5 verse 21, So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life. And so the grace which has come through Jesus reigned through righteousness. And this is the righteousness with the Lord Jesus imputed upon us. His righteousness, what he fulfilled, he gives us the power to fulfill the work in love. And he says that this is what leads to eternal life. And it is the reason why the Lord Jesus was saying to them, except your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you would by no means enter into the kingdom of heaven. This is the kind of righteousness. And if there is any major problem in the denomination today, I say that it is one. Charity is lost in denomination today. We have exalted the Sabbath over the welfare of the souls. We have neglected the souls and we have exalted things that are irrelevant in the sight of God. But we ought to understand that there is only one righteousness that is the ticket to heaven. And that is charity. Jesus Christ, after paying all the, the price, the sufferings and everything, the cross, is to bring us to this righteousness. This is the, the product of the living faith. To love God, to love humanity, and which is only fulfilled in Christ Jesus. The Lord bless you so much for making time with me this evening. And I believe that by the grace of God, I've been able to, to some extent, now answer your questions, those of you who wanted to understand as to whether there is a work to do as a Christian. You follow after Matthew chapter 5 verse 21 onwards and you would know that grace doesn't liberate, give people the, the liberty to sin. But rather grace produces the fruit of righteousness, which eventually leads to eternal life. Show me a Christian now show you one who has this righteousness. God bless you for making time. The grace, the peace of the Lord abound in your life. And may the coming year bring to you glad tidings of miracles. That you would come to the knowledge of Christ.
beyond what you have known that you would not be hindered by the traditions of men what certain people are saying but that you would come to know the truth which is only revealed by the Holy Spirit may you be blessed beyond curse grace beyond disgrace in the name of Jesus Christ I pray Amen so next week the very week of the year 2020 God willing I will be here with the word of the Lord and if you want to get in touch with me the line is 0558-345-267 it may be a special request prayer request or it may be there's something that you want to ask you can call the line 0558-345-267 0558-345-267 and lastly 0558-345-267 the peace of the Lord be with you same time next week bye bye